You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. The lights are still shining in Kinnick Stadium, where it is still Saturday night for me at least. I'm Tyler Donahue. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Sean Fitz, where it is Sunday morning, technically, in State College. And uh, happy to bring you this latest post-game podcast after a performance by Penn State. was not a blowout. It didn't need to be. They won in a different way than we've seen this Penn State take care, a team take care of business in the past. And they found that way to put things away late in a hostile environment. A young team taught itself something today. I can tell you the energy is very apparent in the locker room. We'll get to that in a moment. But first we bring in Sean Fitz. And Sean, I can just say uh, I am very glad that the centerpiece of this conversation doesn't need to be the refs because Penn State pulled out the win. Otherwise, we'd be going down a much different avenue. We will address that a bit. But again, this Penn State team growing up week by week, a different kind of performance right now. And they are 6-0 and Heading home, college game day is coming to town. A lot of good vibes around this squad. Well, I think the obvious answer to uh, to, to watching the game tonight would just be opening a beer, and I can do that at home, and you can't do it in Iowa Stadium. So that's where I'm at right now. Iowa did exactly what we thought they might do. They took Penn State out of their game early. They did a heck of a job kind of putting them in a corner bringing some pressure in different ways and really rattling Sean Clifford. Sean Clifford started out, of course, I mean, deer in the headlights would be probably kind to him the way that he looked on the first two drives. Um, But uh, to his credit, gathered himself. The entire offense also looked rattled. K.J. Hamler dropped one early. Um, They they really, they looked out of place and out of sorts for the first quarter. They gathered themselves. They did a good job. And they have a defense that's good enough to allow them to have these lapses in spots and carry them. Iowa's offense obviously not scaring anyone. If you watch the game, you know, the entire way through, they had a nice drive at the end and, and, and made a great play to, to get in the end zone. But this was not an offense that you needed to be scared of. But So Penn State's defense really uh, gave the offense the uh, the fortuitous uh I guess bounces to to stay off the field and and gather themselves and do what they had to do. So really, just a big win for the defense and the offense. Eventually caught up. Yeah, this is a team that did not complete a pass, specifically Sean Clifford, in the first quarter. Uh, we saw that from Purdue last week. We didn't think we'd see that from Penn State at any point in the season. We know that they love to establish the pass early and often. Uh, and, and you started, you know, but look, the score was 3 nothing Iowa and nothing that Nate Stanley did and nothing that the ground game that Iowa was trying to, to get going told you that even though Penn State was dealing with its struggles that they were going to be in some perilous situation because, again, that defense will keep them in all these games they have the ability to have that balance that's one thing that Sean Clifford said after the game Uh, he was not pleased with the way he started he was pleased with the way um, he felt like the offensive unit as a whole was able to bounce back and ultimately slam the door on this thing and not have to pin it all on the defense in the final minutes but he said he feels like they are starting to show themselves they are a complete football team they are a complete offense they can beat you down the field uh, in the passing game with weapons they have the speed on the outside with KJ Hamler and as we're going to talk about here on this podcast, they have the battering ram 
the guy who's going to move the chains and do everything uh, that, that this team really needed today in this situation and may need a lot moving forward in 2019 if they want to get to where they want to be. Uh, and that that's, of course, Noah Kane, the way he played, um, stood out. And I'm sure I haven't had a chance to check out what everyone's talking about nationally coming out of this game. I know there was a lot of spotlight on it. I'd imagine, Sean, um, word is getting around about Mr. Noah Kane in his sixth college game. Yeah, before we get to Kane, just one more thing. I think that the, the biggest takeaway from this is, you know, and Penn State's got some work to do on offense. You know, the two, I guess, uh, solid power five defenses that they faced so far in Iowa and Pittsburgh, they put up 17 points in both of those games, and you'd like that to be more, uh, no doubt about it. But uh, they found a way to win an Iowa-style game at Iowa. And I think I don't, I don't think you could say enough about uh, – how much that can help this ball club moving forward because you're not going to win every game 38 to 24 or whatever 30 with this defense obviously uh 24 is a lot of points but uh they did a nice job of adjusting their play to the style of the game to the tempo of the game and getting into what you were saying the running game was a big part of that they did a good job uh first down 4.3 yards per carry just seemed like first down carries. I mean, you're, you're getting five yards of pop with Kane. I thought uh, Devin Ford did a really good job when he was in there, but Kane was just uh, phenomenal. 22 carries, 102 yards and a touchdown. And he was the guy that they leaned on late when they needed to bleed that clock. And he did a heck of a job. Yeah, he absolutely did. And then you look at the, the turnovers they forced in the second half, both resulting in points. Should have been 14 points, Sean. We can talk about that if you want. Uh, you got 10 points out of it. You had a forced fumble, Etor Gross-Matos, P.J. Mustafer, uh, you know, colliding on the freshman, Tyler Goodson in the backfield, and, and, and resulting in a red zone opportunity. Looked like a couple times Penn State was going to get a touchdown out of that. Instead, Jake Pinneger came through with, with his second field goal on the day. Uh, that extended their lead to 10-6. to Certainly don't feel safe at 10-6. to but you felt a lot better after Jaquan Brisker, the junior college you know, uh, transfer in the offseason this summer, you know, came through with, with his most notable play so far as a Nittany Lion, uh, picking off a, a, a pass uh, from Stanley, who again just did, you know, did not show he was ready to rise to the occasion. Uh, had a nice little drive late in the game there uh, that made things interesting and put some pressure on Penn State's offense. But overall, uh, Penn State had its way with Stanley for the most part. And that was the big interception that, that set up Kane's rushing touchdown. He has six touchdowns on the season through his first six games. He leads all Penn State players. But it's important to point out, and, and this is something we talked about in the offseason, when would it pop up? You don't have Trace McSorley. Do you have the dual threat in key moments? Third and 10, Sean. Sean Clifford went and got you 11 yards, and that was just a, a, a dramatic turn of events because it felt like uh, they were in a spot there. You know, if, if he gets brought down, you know, you got a decision to make. Are you going to try uh, to send Jake Pinnegar out there to make a third field goal? If you miss it, Iowa's in business with pretty good field, field position, and they only need a touchdown to break your heart. That was a huge, huge opportunity seized by Sean Clifford. He saw the, the opening there. He took it, and, and, and he flashed a lot of athleticism on that play. I thought that was about as good as he has looked in the open field as a runner, and they needed every single one of those yards to keep it going. Yeah, and they set up that play call by running that little toss, which I, I hate. I mean, I hate that thing, but it worked for some reason uh, against Iowa. Don't know if Iowa just doesn't have the speed on the edge, but Kane seemed to to make the most out of that. And then they did the little fake, and, and Clifford took off, which was a really, really good call. Uh, Clifford, just his uh, improvement during the game was apparent. Um, you know, the stat line was not impressive. He completed 50% of his passes, but uh, by the end, his decision-making was so much better. He hit on seven of his last nine passes, 
made some really good decisions in the run game and, and got those first downs when he needed to. Some of them weren't pretty. He still needs to learn how to slide. Really needs to oh, learn man. how to yeah, kneel. He does. <laughs> he really needs to learn how to kneel, which I, I looked like he almost could have hurt himself on the kneel. Uh, but uh, by that point, you were happy to see uh, a kneel down at all. So uh, Clifford did a really good job. What's interesting, the chunk plays were not there tonight. And again, going back to what I said about Penn State uh, winning an Iowa-style game, Penn State just had, I think, uh, two two pass plays over 15 yards and two runs over 10 yards, and really, that's that's it. I mean, it's uh, Iowa had nine chunk plays, nine pass plays over 15 yards. So um, Iowa t- uh, was was uh, just confident in their defense. They could sit back and not let them get behind them. Penn State really didn't take many shots, and uh, you know, luckily they had the run game to get them where they needed to be. They still managed to uh, to win the time of possession battle by nearly six minutes, which is also something that this team doesn't do. Uh, they, they, I think it's a sign of promise, really, to be honest with you. I mean, you're winning games different ways, and you're going to have to do that probably in two weeks against Michigan State. I mean, it's going to be the same type of, uh, of setup for Penn State to go into. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it, it's promise for Clifford. They Look, they, they, they need to improve in spots, and they need to, you know, uh, just – develop those chunk plays a little bit more. I think it's probably the way to say it. Uh, it wasn't happening tonight, but they found a different way to win. And I think that's the biggest takeaway to, to take away from this game. The chunk plays weren't there, but you know what else wasn't there? Turnover, Sean. Again, I feel like this is a consistent theme. This, I mean, I can tell you, we're, we're kind of in, a, in an incubated environment in the press box. I, unfortunately so. I wish I could have really heard the environment a little bit more because it was a great scene here at Kinnick. Uh, and I think it lived up to the expectations. I, I, I know that Sean and, and Pat Fryermuth said, you know, when they started this game, it was it was every bit as loud as they could have imagined. And it made things challenging for them as they got it going. Um, but I think the fact that they didn't have some kind of botched play, miscommunication, or Sean Clifford trying to force something. And I actually had an Iowa beat reporter, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, unsolicited say to me on a, on a play where Sean Clifford threw the ball away, he said, you know, there's a lot of players that come in here, young quarterbacks that that you know they would force that, and you know I think people are starting to recognize that Sean Clifford doesn't need to have the glamorous stats. He's had some of those games the last couple of weeks, four touchdowns in the first half, both of those games. Um, but this game, you know, that wasn't the kind of performance. It was a rough start, as we said, no completions in the first quarter, a 50% completion overall, as you referenced. But uh, he has really shown quickly through half of a regular season, for his first half of a regular season as a starter, that he is uh, efficient with the football. He knows when uh, when to tuck the ball and take off. He knows when to, you know, unfortunately, sometimes you got to sack yourself in the pocket. you got to know when you're being sacked and not try to force things or throw up the ball for grabs. And I think that really showed through when on the other side of this thing, you had Nate Stanley, a guy who's in his third full year as a starting quarterback. He's faced Penn State three times. He's on home turf. And, you know, you saw the interception that he threw up there to Jaquan Brisker. Um, you know, he, he's had careless moments with the football during his starting career. And and I'm going to repeat the stat again for Sean Clifford now as we continue to move forward. Um didn't register, the, you know, the, the touchdowns tonight. He had the one to KJ, so he's got 15 total touchdowns through six games. But through six games now, Sean, just two turnovers. I mean, that's just absolutely huge. And he went to Kinnick and came home without giving the ball to the Hawkeyes, and that's a huge part of this game because one turnover on Penn State's end, we could be having a much different conversation after this one. Well, you look at a couple of the stats that, that James Franklin often highlights, and they won the turnover battle 2-0. Uh, I think they won the field position battle. I don't have the numbers on that, but Blake Gillikin really put them in a position where they needed to be at the end of the game. Um, and, and really, I mean, Iowa, no matter where you put them on the field, wasn't a, a big threat to score. 
Uh, the penalty situation, as diplomatic as we can be, <laughs> one penalty for five yards for Iowa, eight penalties for 80 yards for Penn State. And, of course, you had the review that took away the touchdown that really makes that it's kind of a different game, especially with uh, with with Stanley playing the way that he plays. Uh, it's just diplomatically awful. Just, I mean, just crazy awful i mean i I don't i don't even know how how else to say it um but that's got to be something that's that's reviewed by the league because i mean you're you're not only talking about the firemuth thing you're talking about uh uh defensive holding on john reed and and you wonder where that drive goes if that's not made uh rasheed walker got called for a hold that was just a uh an absurd call it's just it was so many things and to penn state's credit they kept fighting back chipping away did the things they need to get uh to do they got in the end zone three times and got a field goal out of it. And, uh, you know, they, they managed to get points. And they managed to do the uh, just sort of not let it bother them because that's something that, you know, you can that can spiral really quickly and get out of hand. Yeah. And, and you know, it was big for Jake Pinniger to, to at least get them some points out of that. He was two for two in field goal opportunities uh, today back in his native state. And, you know, you're being diplomatic. I'm, I'm standing here in one of these luxury boxes, essentially overlooking the the plane uh, of the end zone that. Pat Fryermuth definitely crossed. Uh, I don't think there's there was a lot, it was a lot of shock in the press box. I haven't seen so many reporters from different walks of life unanimously agree on one thing like I saw in the press box today in terms of that Pat Fryermuth overturn. Um, you know, Franklin was more tongue in cheek about it. He he always does his best. Uh, well, he's, you know, he's got money on the line. He <laughs> yeah, he, has to he always does yeah. his best to make sure his wallet is is protected in the situation. I think obviously um, Pat Fryermuth was a little more fiery when we asked him about it. He certainly was puzzled to say the least. And I would just say, if you're looking for more colorful commentary to our listeners on this subject, may I direct you to the Lions Pride message board on Lions twenty four seven. Have at it, dive in, uh, scroll as of, long as you need of to. Opinions on yeah, that one, yeah. yeah. Um, but moving moving ahead, Sean, I I think you know. You make a great point there uh, about how that moment and and having to you know celebrating two touchdowns they were celebrating in the end zone like they scored on on three different occasions I think um, and none of them resulted in in those six points and for a young team on the road you know they could have put their heads down and uh, but they went right back to work and 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 you know this is an overarching theme of this entire season we've kind of hinted at it on the podcast even during the off season because we were getting this sense that the locker room dynamics have taken a a turn in a very positive direction for Penn State. And I know some people are surprised by that because they they, they saw a lot of the older players leaving uh, during the offseason. You lose, uh, you know, obviously guys like Nick Scott and, and Trace McSorley, who were captains on multiple occasions uh, during their careers at Penn State. And I think a lot of people view it as, as a Penn State team in 2019 that may kind of need to meander a little bit and 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 find its course and and find its leadership and it just not has not been a problem you know since day one and we're talking about a team that you thought their quarterback was going to be Tommy Stevens and then it was Sean Clifford but he wasn't officially named the starting quarterback for for several months and and they're now to the point where leadership does not seem to be any issue and I thought a strong statement from Robert Windsor after this game and, and he's a great great resource because he's seen now five versions of the Penn State Nittany Lions he's he's an old head in the room and, and I talked to Garrett Taylor after this game too both Garrett Taylor and Robert Windsor say there is something different about this team uh, the way Garrett Taylor phrased it was there was there's now 100% buy-in he's not sure he's seen that from a team at Penn State and, and Robert Windsor said in the past you, you'd have young players kind of in their corner of the locker room 
older players in their corner of the locker room. And right now that is just not the case. That is an intermingled situation. And I think when you're talking about a few of these older guys who have a Big Ten championship ring, um, and then you've got a few of these younger guys who have all the recruiting accolades, they're all putting those egos aside. And it, it helps when you get the wins, but I think that's also why they're getting these wins and why they're pushing through. Um, I think that's a big storyline, and I think this team's ability to stay healthy through half the regular season is a major storyline as well. Um, as far as we understand, no significant injuries. You probably would know better than I would watching it on the television broadcast, but I think those are two things. As you reach the midway point, you feel really good about the way this locker room dynamic is brewing for this year and I think for long-term moving ahead. And then I think the way this team has been able to keep its key players on the football field week in, week out. Yeah, and you got to think, uh, going back to the offseason, you look at how many guys Penn State lost through the portal, and, and I'm not saying those guys are bad eggs or anything, but you know, you, you thinned out the roster, you've got a lot of guys playing a lot of different position, a lot of different reps and snaps and things like that, and a lot a lot of people are a lot happier. I mean, it's just let's just go with, uh, with how it is. So uh, I think that's going to help the overall, uh, I guess... Uh, the overall momentum that this team will have. And they're still in week one of, of a three-week stretch, which is extremely important to this team. It's, it's probably the the most important, the most quality 1-0 uh, this far that we can talk about. So, I mean, that's where you're at with that. So to, to be there, to be healthy, to be to be where they're at right now is in a good spot. Of course, next weekend, Michigan coming to town, but we're, we won't get into that one just yet. A uh, couple things here. Penn State's fourth quarter was was pretty spectacular. Uh, 100 total yards, 82 of them on the ground, seven first downs, which they had 20 first downs for the game, so a third of your first downs in the fourth quarter. Um, uh, you know, 4.2 yards per play, 10-23 time of possession, which what we're looking at with this Penn State offense, you don't see very often. Noah Kane came in, did the damn thing. Uh, he was fantastic in running the clock out. Uh, of course, he and Sean Clifford both uh, with some quality carries to extend drives, and really, that's it's, it's that four minute offense that they've been searching for for I mean, a couple of years now. Yeah, and it's it, Pat Fryermuth said he felt like they manufactured the kind of performance offensively late in the game that they just couldn't seem to come up with last year. And Pat was only on the team in 2018, and I think you can also attribute that to 2017 when they were very much knocking on the door of, of being in that college football playoff conversation. They were number two in the country at one point. Ohio State, Michigan State, not going to rehash that. It's not the night to do that. But there have been times where it's prevented Penn State from completing its, uh, you know, its its mission of of getting to Thanksgiving and being in that conversation instead of having a couple losses or last year three losses uh, during the regular season. Now we'll see if they can continue to maintain that. But it was a different kind of Penn State team in terms of that time of possession. A big part of that is Noah Kane. But I think we also have to acknowledge in the past, even Saquon Barkley couldn't get out of the way because we saw him getting battered in the backfield as soon as he got the ball. Let's give a tip of the cap to this offensive line as well. Uh, there were some key holding penalties. You referenced that. It wasn't a perfect game. AJ Epinesa, I think, taught Rashid Walker some lessons today that will serve him well long term. He's, he's tough, man. He's <laughs> real tough. Yeah. He's very, he was very impressive. Uh, and, and Sean Clifford, you know, probably took more hits than you would prefer. And some of that was on him because he does put himself at risk. And he's, he's not exactly figured out the whole get down situation yet that I think Franklin would like him to, 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 to embrace a bit more. But going back to this offensive line, 
you did not see Noah Kane. I know everyone's excited about Noah Kane, but he had some room. And a big thing with Noah is he'll exploit that room. He'll find a seam. He has that great vision. That's the way he. That's his style. But even if even if he had all that, if he's getting bopped around in the backfield right away, he's not a lateral guy. And and, and you're going to lose yardage, and you're going to see second and twelve, and you're just thinking. How are we going to run the clock down? Instead, it was second and five, second and four, second and six. Manageable, manageable, manageable. And they embraced that in the fourth quarter. And a lot of us were wondering, what if they kind of embraced that tactic a little bit earlier in the game? Would they have been able to create more separation? You know, that, that's that's something they're going to have to consider. But again, this team has shown it, it can kind of, you know, be a bit of a hybrid in the way it goes out and it handles its business and makes you curious about what we're going to see next week against Michigan. Yeah, you can when you can win games in different ways, that's going to, you know, make you so dangerous, especially, uh, you know, winning a seven, you know, you don't win too many 17 to 12 games at Iowa, especially. We said at, it would take 20 night. to win, right? Didn't even need 20. Still so, waiting yeah. on that. Um, What makes that happen is that defense. I mean, they're just uh, really, really good again. Of course, Iowa's offensive attack, not to the the most uh, dangerous in the Big Ten, but still, I mean, to to come around and do what they did, especially, um, you know, stepped up when they needed to. Now, Iowa came down at the end of the game and got got a really nice score over top of John Reed, which was a fantastic catch. Um, But really, in the middle of that defense, you look at the defensive tackles combining for for 17 tackles uh, on on Saturday night. P.J. Mustafer had seven, and Robert Windsor was, was a boss inside. I mean, he was he kind of just controlled, at least from my vantage point, controlled a lot of things, got his pass rush going, didn't over-penetrate, over-pursue as we've seen him do in the past. Six tackles, one-and-a-half sacks, two-and-a-half tackles for loss. Um, but P.J. Mustafer, by the way, seven tackles, uh, tackle for loss, and a forced fumble. Um, he, he won't get too many more open shots on a running back like he got on that forced fumble, uh, but he made some plays. Fred Hansard was out there. Shot, uh, uh, Antonio Shelton was out there. Uh, Penn State's defense did a really nice job. And, and again, the safeties continue. We, we said last week against Purdue they took a step forward. They continued to do that. Lamont Wade was out there. Jaquan Brisker got the pick. Garrett Taylor was around. You're seeing a little bit more, um, I guess, trust in these safeties. And you're also seeing something different on the rotations. You're not seeing as many guys out there. But you're still seeing some quality uh, quality reps from, you know, Ellis Brooks made a heck of a play. I think it was on a third down where he shed a block and made a tackle right at the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, Mustafer we talked about. Uh, Brisker didn't start but had a good game. Uh, what about so, Marquise Wilson in the, in the fourth quarter, Sean, at cornerback, the true freshman? Yeah, didn't really see that one coming, especially, you know, we've seen a lot of Keaton Ellis in that situation. Even Trent Gordon had a, a really nice, I think, tackle for loss or close to the line of scrimmage. Uh, actually, he did get credit for the tackle for loss. Um, so yeah, I mean, you're, 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 you're maybe not getting the reps that we saw over the first five games of the season, but you know, you, you see the guys that you put in, you've thrown into the fire are, are better off for, for where they were at over the first month than I guess month and a half of the season. Yeah. Robert Windsor threw his hat in the ring for consideration to be, you know, big 10 defensive player of the week. Uh, I don't know what else went on around the conference. Maybe someone had a three sack game, which may warrant it, but Robert Windsor added two. Yeah. Thank you. Added two quarterback hurries to the stats. You mentioned the sack and a half, the two and a half tackles for loss. I thought, I thought PJ Mustafer was outstanding as well. Um, and, and someone who, who just continues to play at a high level. And I think game after game after game has shown that he is just, he has adapted to his new role, and he is really kind of showing who he is. 
Shaka Tony, I think he, he just flashes, it seems, week after week. You're not going to see it show up in the stat sheet as much as you did last week when he had that monster game, but he did come up with another piece of a sack. Um, and I just think with, with him and Itor Grossmatos, who had a tackle for loss uh, tonight, coming off the edge and, and what they're able to bring at you in these waves and waves, 70 rushing yards on 30 uh, carries, uh, rush attempts for Iowa. You know, what is that, about the two-point something or other. I'm not going to do the math right now. It's almost 1230 at night here in Central Time. But they were so dominant um, in in controlling the run, and that's just been a consistent theme. Against against Pitt was the 25 carries for 24 yards. Uh, Last week, not not surprising, but Purdue could do nothing. This is a game where, you know, it's, you know, it's just really impressive because you're right. They kind of out Iowa, Iowa in this contest, and and they've also shown that they can go and, and and you know throw throw up a bunch of chunk plays in games that might require it. Though they haven't necessarily needed to win that way this year in a tight contest. But uh, I, I got to tell you, this was this was a game where this defense it, you're starting to run out of um, you know say you're starting to run out of things to say well this needs to get better that needs to get better there are things that you can go through every week and, and you do it with your second look and, and we kind of critique this team and but I think Lamont Wade is playing the best football that, that he's put together in the last few weeks um, he's really looking more comfortable out there he's looking like a leader out there the way you see him react uh, the, the way you see him calling out play, uh, calling out checks uh, he just seems to be someone who really uh, has become a backbone in terms of, of the identity they have that's really what it is this defense we heard it all summer about what they could be they've done it now six weeks uh i i don't think we need to say what they could be they are one of the best defenses in college football and a lot of those guys in the locker room who i just spoke with they are happy to make the case point to the stats point to the results they'll point to that zero in the loss column above all but again this is a team that has not given up multiple touchdowns in a game at this point they have dominated as pass rushers at points, and they have been consistently really staunch against the run. A couple chunk plays, I'm sure they would love to have kept it down to six points. And John Reed got you know got got beat by a really impressive play there by Smith toward the end. But overall, uh, you know this defense showcased it on a national level, and they're playing a lot of selfless football. These guys understand they come to the sideline. The guy who's checking in is very talented as well. He'll hold down the fort. And how much does that pay off when, when we saw this team gassed at times last year defensively, Sean? I mean, the Ohio State game comes to mind when they, when they just didn't have those deep rotations. I don't know if it was a confidence thing for them last year or if it was more of a personnel issue. But right now, they're really able to go and, and, and bring in the second teamers. And you don't feel like you're watching backups playing football. You just feel like you're watching the swarm continue with a, a few different jersey numbers out there. And a couple of things that we highlighted earlier in the year, Penn State got you know, the 10 of 19 on third downs today Iowa 8 of 18 on third downs which isn't the worst but you know they, they start off uh, fairly well so uh, I think the biggest difference here both teams two of two in the red zone Penn State got 10 points out of it Iowa got six points out of it that that defense buckled down and just allowed two uh two field goals on the on Iowa's red zone trips I believe Iowa also missed a field goal um just outside of the red zone so uh, that's really what it came down to in terms of buckling down and, and, and just in these games in these 17 to 12 in these Iowa style games, the, the difference between a touchdown and a field goal can just, it can make all the difference in the world. Yeah. And, and you know, they were able to, to get that touchdown with Kane and that was, that was huge. If you had to settle for a field goal there, 
again, you're just giving Iowa that 13 to six is is obviously a precarious situation to be in on the road. Um, you know, we know Stanley's had his struggles, but he did lead an 85-yard touchdown drive on the next possession for Iowa. So you're thinking, man, you know, if Kane doesn't punch it in and that drive stalls, you're looking at maybe a, a long field goal. Again, the Sean Clifford run was huge in that one, but Kane was the story here. He was somebody that we were all waiting to see. Um, he, he was the third running back in after Journey Brown and Ricky Slade, which has kind of been the customary approach so far through six games. Um, he got seven carries for 35 yards in the first half, and then he was tucked away again. And it was a storyline that was brewing in the press box. And I think uh, people who didn't really follow his recruitment, everyone knows who Noah Kane is, and all these reporters, you know, that you can hear it every time. When are they going to put in Noah? It's almost becoming a joke of, well, this would be a good time to put in Noah Kane. And you know, you don't want to slight these other running backs, but if there ever was the hot hand to consider, the last couple of games have shown you back-to-back 100-yard games for the freshman. This kid has the hot hand, and and I don't think they're going to be motivated to take the ball away from him or take series away from him, maybe as much as they have been in the past as they now enter the second half of a season that is is really seeing them rise up the rankings. And uh, it's, Noah Keene just feels like a guy that they're going to be more comfortable leaning on, at least coming out of this game. That's how it feels. Yeah, he just goes forward, man. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's all he does. He just keeps going forward. He finds a way to slip off of uh, of potential tacklers and keep going. And ball security. Yeah, ball security's been great. He's been he's he's held onto the ball as we said the other day. You know, a, a a three or four yard run for Journey Brown is a is a six or seven yard run for Noah Kane just because of you know the, his body type and the way that he gets going and and leans and his forward lean is is just ridiculous. Um, so really. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I hesitate to just call him the number one go-to, the guy that should get 20-some carries, but uh, he showed it tonight that he can certainly handle it, and Penn State's comfortable with him down the stretch, which is going uh, gonna to be a big deal for them in the next couple of weeks. The way this, this box score ended up being, I mentioned, you know, Kane had seven for 35 in the first half, and you're thinking, you know, okay, that, that, you know, that's nice, and maybe you'll end up with 13, 14 carries. The final stat line, though, Sean, looks way different than anything we've seen from this Penn State ground game. 22 carries for a single back. It feels like 30 the way they've approached it. You know, that feels like a very big number. And then you look down, Clifford very heavily involved. But Devin Ford, the four carries. Journey Brown, the four carries. Ricky Slade, the four carries. There's going to be the or designation, I'd imagine, going on the depth chart. Again, I, I don't know if they're, they're ready to anoint Noah Kane. I don't think they need to anoint Noah Kane as the exclusive starter at this stage. But I think everybody in that running back room, everybody in that offensive huddle, and everybody uh, that is following this program right now can see that this Penn State offense is as efficient as we've seen it really the last couple years when they get Kane going, and they can build off of that. And and that's good for Sean Clifford. That's good for K.J. Hamler. That's good for Pat Fryermuth. And it's good for the offensive line to, to, to develop that consistency as well. So, um, you know, can't say enough about what the freshman has done. People are going to learn that name across the country. And now the spotlight gets bigger, Sean. And we got a couple podcasts coming, and we'll, we'll, we'll preview what's ahead. And we're going to take a closer look at this Iowa game. But before we wrap up, it, it, it's showtime now for Penn State. I mean, they are 6-0. I don't know who else lost in the top 10, but there's going to be a little bit of upheaval after some of these games this week. Penn State's going to be, I don't know, top 8 at least, I guess. They're going to have ESPN College Game Day coming to town. We all know how much of a circus that can be. And they are clearly, I think, going to be the favorites over Michigan. I watched a lot of that Michigan game today. 
not impressed at all by what you saw and, and them really, you know, I, I don't know what the final score was, but it was a, a three-point game in the third quarter with Illinois, and Illinois was moving the ball on them, and Michigan has never felt like they've been able to get out of their own way all season. So Penn State, you know, you're entering a buzzsaw right now coming to this program. This is check one off of those three-game stretches, and something tells me this may have been the biggest test just from perception without getting into all the details of these matchups. This, to me, this first out of those three games, the way Michigan State is playing, the way Michigan is playing, this feels like it may have been the biggest hurdle to clear out of all three of those. Yeah, we'll very, find out. Very well could be. I mean, there's no doubt about that. We'll, we'll see what happens. I think, uh, you know, you probably hop Florida. The Florida played a good game at LSU and came up short, uh, at, surprisingly, by two touchdowns. I didn't realize it was that much. Notre Georgia Dame. probably takes a dive, right? Uh, Georgia takes a dive. I don't know if they fall out of the top 10. I mean, it, it, honestly, it doesn't really matter. Doesn't. Uh, you know, it's where Penn State's ranked after these three weeks, really, that gets you where you need to be because obviously it sets up for, for something out in Columbus. But uh, they yeah. got to get through this first, and we'll see what happens. Notre Dame only won by three over USC, and, of course, they've got the loss on their resume to Georgia, who fell today. And I still am – just shocked by that uh, by that outcome, but that's that's not a it's not a Georgia or South Carolina podcast here. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, you're you're right. I mean, this is the time to to, to buckle down. I think they they've got some momentum. They're going to have a night game, a whiteout. Uh, Michigan didn't play, hasn't played exceptionally well lately e- either. So uh, we'll we'll see what uh, what happens next week. I'm anxious to take a look at this tape and see what we can find out about this Penn State team. But again, my closing argument here. They found a different way to win an Iowa-style ball game at Kinnick Stadium. It's not easy to do, especially on a, 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 a night game. So um, really think that it's something that it's a feather that they can put in their cap. They can win different style ball games. They don't have to be hitting those chunk plays. They don't have to be hitting on all cylinders. They they ran out the clock, which they've struggled. They even struggled to do when Saquon Barkley was here. So uh, that that's certainly some positives that you can take away from this one. And at the end of the day, I mean, you've got that zero in the loss column, which is going to trump everything else that uh, that you can really uh, say about any of those those uh, teams that are eventually going to be in the top ten with you. Yeah, you work your way to mid mid October, and you have that zero in the loss column. It puts you in pretty exclusive company, as you mentioned. Some of the more notable teams suffering their first loss this week. More will come next week, and the longer you can stay in that group, as the group gets smaller, you put yourself in the conversation, and no one can really pull you out of it until you do suffer that loss. And for me, the biggest takeaway um, out of out of several that we've discussed is again the ability for Penn State to have that put away drive on offense, not making that defense come back out and, and, and make a guy like you tore gross Matos or Shaka Tony uh, uh, play superhero by, by hitting Stanley or, or someone has to come up with a big interception at the end of the game and you avoid disaster didn't require it gave the ball to Noah Kane offensive line got the, the push up front Sean Clifford protected the ball so did Kane you move the chains and you get out of here with the victory. It was something that they've really struggled to do on the road, at home, against top opponents. And here we are, six straight wins against Iowa. I mean, that's pretty impressive. you got a, t- a coach in his 21st year. They've got six consecutive wins over these Hawkeyes, three in a row now in three straight years uh, with, with James Franklin. And uh, I think it speaks volumes about a, a young team that continues to grow up before our eyes. There are veterans on this team. I, I don't want to not acknowledge that, but they've got a quarterback who's a first-year starter, and, and, and he's having a lot of fun. And he, he's, he's, he's telling you right here after the game, he, he may be a little bit battered and bruised up, but he is having the most fun he's ever had in his life. And I think this locker room is feeling that way too. And 
It's a really nice week for this uh, Penn State fan base to embrace it. Hopefully also by checking out all of our content that we have on Lines 24-7. But this is a team that you can, can kind of really start to wrap your arms around if you're a fan, I think, and start to develop some, some, you know, some affinity for some of these newer faces on the program who are going to take it into a new era, into a new chapter. The foundational years of the James Franklin era have come and gone, and now you're looking at this is phase two. And, and he made those great two elite comments. He was directing them to a lot of recruits. He was directing them to recruits' parents. I'm sure you heard the feedback last year from that. Well, those recruits are now freshmen. Those freshmen from last year are now sophomores, and they're taking that task to heart. And here they are uh, is, uh, coming away with a 17-12 victory, 6-0. and uh, and, and I'm jealous of your beer. I've been powering through with a, a small Powerade here, but one of our colleagues who had to get diverted to Wisconsin yesterday got some of that coveted spotted cow beer. So... I've got that going for me uh, in, in the late morning hours or late – I don't even know what time it is anymore in Iowa, but uh, I'll be back with you in State College tomorrow, and, and we'll be back with everybody on the podcast. Any final thoughts before your wife comes down and wonders what the hell you're doing? Well, it's later here, so I'm not, <laughs> I don't feel too bad for you. Uh, a couple things that Penn State needs to uh, improve upon. They played like a team that was distracted this week, especially in the early going. Um, you know, you saw the T-shirts and everything in the pregame. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure that was uh, as a statement, but it also, you know, it was a distraction at some point. So uh, they had to put that behind them. Special teams, I think, is improved, but I still want to see more out of the return game. These are just bullet points I have in my head. Uh, Penn State really not not getting too much out of that. Um, I don't know if they're just surprised to be covering or returning kicks, but uh, it's just the way it is. And, you know, Clifford is it, it, these these steps that we're going to see from Clifford. Uh, you're not going to get away with all those. I mean, it's uh, we saw. I mean, that I thought it was a pick uh, on KJ Hamler's touchdown pass, but uh, managed to get uh, managed to get away with that one. Um, he's going to have to continue his decision making and his, uh, I guess, presence and all that kind of stuff. So, a couple of things that they have to clean up in the week uh, before Michigan gets gets to town. I'm sure there will be distractions next week as well. Hopefully, none on the uh, the scale that we saw on a national level this week. But uh, yeah, I think Penn State's got some things to clean up. But uh, look at the alternative they don't have a loss in that uh, in that loss column yeah james franklin would state simply we were one to know this week i think we all know there was a lot more that went into this particular week uh than the average game week and it ended with quite the test and they passed it six and zero on the season as we said expect a climb when the associated press top 25 and the coaches poll comes out on sunday afternoon and if you want to look forward to the michigan game already well from a recruiting perspective we're already ahead of the curve sean has a uh, a list working right now for our VIP subscribers. Get a chance to check that out. Uh, something tells me that this performance is probably going to encourage some other prospects to take a hard look at getting to campus for another primetime Saturday night matchup. Big week ahead. We'll have you covered for now. Good night. Good morning. Whatever it is, whatever you're listening to this, thank you. Uh, on behalf of Sean Fitz, I'm Tyler Donahue. It is the Lions 24-7 podcast.